We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Morning. It's probably expanded a little bit. There's a lot of sickness going around right now. A lot of this weather's not helping back and forth. One day we... Uh, one day you're in shorts, next day you're, you're uh, bundled up for winter weather, so it's, uh, it's going back and forth. I know uh, it's pretty bad when you got that going on and stuff blooming at the same time. So uh, I know that there's uh, quite a few that are not with us today due to sickness, but I am thankful you're here. I'm thankful that you're uh, joining us online this morning. Uh, we uh, have been going through a series called This is Church. Uh, last week was going to be the last sermon, but God had different plans. He preached his own sermon. What a great time we had in the Lord. If you were here last week and God touched, I want you just to praise him, will you? Amen. God was so good. Um, didn't didn't get a chance to deliver the message, but uh, so I said, well, you know what, we'll put it off to this week. And you know what, uh, if... Uh, the Lord had different plans. I was ready to put it off again. But God is doing an amazing work. We haven't taken our baptism down because we were actually supposed to baptize some today, but we postponed some of those due to different reasons. But what I'm really excited about uh, more than anything, I'm excited anytime anybody gets baptized, and I love it when adults get baptized. But when you see children making a commitment to Christ, isn't that a wonderful thing? Oh, God, get them at the beginning of life. Uh, get them at the beginning. Get them at the start. And, and, and that way, maybe they'll avoid some of the pitfalls that, 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 that are in life if they trust God from the very beginning. But uh, little Waylon and Cadence, their grandparents, texted me yesterday, uh, Sunday night and they said, uh, we're having an ice cream celebration because they had given their hearts to Jesus. Amen. Uh, can you praise God for that? Amen. Yes. Amen. And uh, so they were going to get baptized today, but they're waiting on their mom to be here so she can be a part of that. So uh, we're going to do that hopefully in the next few weeks. But I'm excited about what God is doing among our children, what God is doing. There's revival going on among our children. There's a touch of God going on. And I just thank the Lord for that. And I, I believe we're going to see more and more of that as we progress through the rest of this year. So this is the final sermon in the, uh, this series called This is Church. Next week we will begin a series called This Is. Uh, you say, well, is it the same thing? No, this, we're going to be talking about what certain things are, different attributes of the church. But we're going to, today we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be light in the, in a dark world. I think there's no one that will argue with us uh, that the world is light. I think everywhere we look, we see a lot of dark things right now. We see a lot of darkness uh, in, you know, throughout the world. Uh, I've got friends in other parts of the country, and I keep up with what's going on or other parts of the country, other parts of the world, and, and some of the things that are going on in other nations is there's a lot of dark things happening. But, but you know what's really great is in the midst of the dark, as dark as it gets, light gets brighter. Amen. And we have to allow God to shine in us. Uh, we, we dealt with a few weeks ago being salt in this world, uh, that salt has different attributes, that salt cleanses, salt purifies, salt uh, preserves. We talked about the different things that God expects us to be when Jesus looked at us in Matthew 5. And he says, he says, looked at us. He was talking to, guy, to people 2,000 years ago. No, he was talking to you and he was talking to me as well. He's saying, 
You are the salt. You've got to be salt and light. So he challenged us with that and that we are to bring flavor to this world around us. Amen. And I believe that that was a challenge to all of us. We're going to continue with the, with the latter part of that challenge, which is where he talks to us about being light. Uh, let's just read those anchor verses today. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can it be salted? Uh, 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 how can its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and, and trampled under people's feet. And you are the light of the world, and that's where we're going to uh, do our primary focus today. You are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, but on a stand that, uh, that it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Uh, now, before I go into light, I, I, I was uh, finishing up a few of my notes that I did not share with you uh, about salt. And I just want to give you one more principle uh, of salt that I thought was tremendous as I uh, kind of studied through this. But uh, Jesus says to them, says, you're the salt of the, of the earth. He says, now if the salt has lost its saltiness, um, he says, how can it be restored? And I, I got to looking into that and you realize salt, does, there's no way for salt to really lose its saltiness if it's pure salt. Now, uh, he was talking about something a little bit deeper there, and I think this is a great little thing to add to it because he talks about how it's no good anymore for anything but to be trampled under feet, uh, under your feet. Now, what he was talking about was he was talking about salt that was gathered from the Dead Sea region. They gathered massive amounts of salt from the Dead Sea region, but it was no, it was not good for anything uh, as far as using it to cleanse because it had so many impurities in it. It couldn't be used as a cleansing agent a preserving agent. It couldn't be used to flavor food because there were so many uh, other minerals in it. It had, uh, had lost its effect to be saltiness. And so what he was referring to, he's saying to him, and I thought this was tremendous. Maybe you won't get what I got out of it, but I want to tell you, he said, if you're like the salt from the Dead Sea, he said, then you can't have saltiness. You're not going to flavor this world. You're no good for anything. He said, well, why did they gather that salt from the Dead Sea? They used it to kill vegetation. That's all it was good for. So they would salt the roads to keep weeds from growing over their roads. And they would salt any area they did not want weeds to, to, to spring up. I want you to understand God is wanting. Also, if you put that salt on anything that was living, it would kill it. He's saying, look, there. if you're like the Dead Sea salt, you're worthless to God's kingdom. You've got to be like salt that has saltiness and has all the principles that I'm looking for to bring preserve to preserve life, to, to, to cleanse, to purify, and, and flavor. I like that part of it too, to flavor your offerings. Do you realize they would put salt on their grain offerings because they flavored their offerings? God's saying, I don't want a flavorless church, but I want a church that has some flavor. Now, I've sat through some flavorless churches, anybody else, but I want to be a church that's full of saltiness. Amen. Not the way the youth say salty. Okay, you don't think of it that way. Amen. 
That's a, the, the good way. So that, I just felt like you know, that that was a good principle to share as we go into light. Now, he goes, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people uh, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and gives light to all the house. It, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and good, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Being light in a dark world is something that the church has been challenged to be. In other words, number one, light makes darkness flee. In other, you, 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 if there's light present, then darkness is exposed or illuminated. Do you realize that the human eye can see in pure darkness? Now, there's a difference between tainted darkness and pure darkness. Tainted darkness is, give you a great example, if you've ever tried to look up at the night sky, even where we live, it is tainted by uh, what is by other light on the earth. In other words, we have major cities around us, so you're not really seeing the Milky Way the way that they would have seen it back then. But if you take you a trip out west and you look up into the sky, you're going to be like, wow, where did all the stars come from? Where did all this happen from? Because you are removing yourself from the light that is in the different cities that is helping to blur a true view. Now, in naked darkness or pure darkness, do you realize the human and I can see candlelight up to a mile away, a single candle in pure darkness in pure darkness. Do you realize what Jesus was saying is that the devil offers nothing but pure darkness to this world, but when you reflect the light of me in this world, it will be seen by many. I want you to understand I believe the church has allowed too much darkness to enter its message. It's allowed too much darkness to enter its, its approach to this world and what we have is a tainted uh, distorted view and so people can't tell different you know, what are you talking about, Pastor? They cannot see the difference between the world and the church. That means the light is not truly shining. There's a difference between us and this world, or there should be a difference between us and this world. But if we act and lie and talk and present ourselves just like the world around us, how will they ever see the true light? If the church wants to see real revival, rock this world, rock this community, change people's lives, then there must be an undistorted view of the light of Jesus shining within each and every one of us. I wonder if anybody would say with me this morning, oh God, let it be so in me. Lord, clear out anything that is distorting the light in my family and in my friendships and in those that I'm around every single day. Change it, Lord. Clear the view in my life. Light it makes, makes darkness flee. In John, in, in, in John 1 and 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it or it over, or, uh, overpowered uh, it. In other words, darkness cannot overpower light. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I grew up on truly good cartoons called Looney Tunes. <laughs> all right, before the PC police arrested all of it. Okay, but, but you know, uh, Yosemite Sam, come on. 
Foghorn Leghorn, uh, you know, Bugs Bunny. And one of the cartoons had a particular thing where the character would go in and they had a flashlight, but then they had a dark light. Now, we've got dark light, but dark light uh, is really just UV light. But, but uh, what, what, what they would have is truly darkness. And everywhere they shine the dark light, it made it dark. That does not exist, my friend. What the Bible is clearly saying to you and I is that our light will cause darkness to flee. You want darkness to flee out of your children? Put the light of Jesus into their life. You want darkness to flee out of your marriage? Let the light of Jesus come into your marriage. You want the light of the darkness to be not present in your workplace? Then let light shine through you because true light illuminates darkness. Amen. Amen. He goes on and he says uh, that, that, that light makes darkness flee. We live in a dark world. The gospel brings light and salvation. What is the gospel? I heard the gospel all my life, and it wasn't until uh, uh, later on in my life did I realize what that phrase really means. The gospel simply means the good news. I wonder if we've shared any good news this past week. I wonder if we have walked into our workplace or our school and we've shared uh, our, our wherever we, we uh, you know, go throughout the week. I don't know where everybody goes through the week. I don't know where you hang out. But wherever you go, are you bringing the light of Jesus? Are you bringing good news? Amen? You ever had somebody that's so negative they suck the life out of you? You ever had somebody that all they can concentrate is on the bad news? It doesn't matter which news channel they watch. They pick out the bad stuff. Doesn't matter what their view. They have negative views about everything. I mean, they could win a million dollars and gripe about, you know, 70% of it going in taxes. Well, you didn't have that in the first place. What do you care? You're still coming out to the good. But they can find something negative about any good situation you ever met. Nobody's met nobody like that. See, I grew up in a pastor's house, and, and I won't name names to protect the not-so-innocent, but uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, there, my mom would be feeling the Lord, and the phone would ring, and it, it was several situations because I grew up in a pastor's home, and you would know when Sister Sadbridge is called. Because she had sucked the life out of anything. She just negative, 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 negative. I want you to understand we can't afford to join in with the negative message of the world. I want you to understand something this morning. I've been blood-bought, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. How about you? I got good news to share with you. You got good news to share with the world around you. Are you sharing it? Are you sharing it? Amen. You'll find out real quick, if you begin to bring the light, anything negative will do one or two things. It'll join in and become very much illuminated by it, or they'll find somebody else that will listen to their negative message. The gospel brings light. We are to be bearers of this good. Number two, what, is the, what does light do? Light exposes flaws and imperfections. That's why we're scared to death of the altar. That's why we're scared to death of allowing God to have everything. I've got news for you. You might as well let him expose it because it's there anyway and it's not going to get better. It's like not going to the doctor knowing you got something wrong. Does that change what's wrong? No, it just sometimes something treatable becomes untreatable because we didn't go. 
something that could have got fixed doesn't get fixed because we're being stubborn or we're ignoring it or we're putting our head in the sand saying it's not really there. I want you to understand something. God loves you enough to illuminate what's wrong in your life. He loves you enough to do that. If I had a perfect, if I had a, a, a white sheet, I could shine, or even I could have a, 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 a white piece of paper, and I could show you this white piece of paper, and look, it looks white. But if you get a bright enough light behind this, you would see there's words on the other side. It would illuminate what's really there. Do you understand? When I come into the presence of God, he illuminates what's really there, and I see what's really in me. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes he shows me stubbornness or anger, or sometimes he shows me a, a a, a, a bad attitude in, uh, towards things. Maybe he shows a negative spirit. Maybe he shows a lustful heart in us sometimes. Maybe he shows things in us that are not like him. You know why he does that? Because he's the potter and we're the clay. And if he never shows the imperfections, how can we come to him and say, okay, God, fix it? And I got news for you. He's not going to give you the diagnosis without offering the cure. He says, for every imperfection that is illuminated by the light of Jesus, I've got news for you. I'm going to tell you right now, there's hope for us today because the blood of Jesus will wash us white as snow. Aren't you thankful for the blood this morning? We need to get it out of our head, a little dabble, do you? Good gracious. I got saved when I was eight. I'm good. No, you're not. No, you're not. You mean you've lived perfect since you were eight. Why don't you have not because you ask not? That doesn't apply for forgiveness. I was saved when I was eight, but I've taken many trips to the old rugged cross. And I'm so glad I did. I wonder if anybody would praise him for that today, that you've taken as many trips as it takes. Oh, my goodness. Somebody says, oh, I don't know about them. They're in the altar every time he says, let's pray. You know what? It ride that thing to heaven. What's wrong with that? You know what? When I get to heaven, the Lord's not going to look and say, well, you know, you had 9,000 trips to the altar within a year. I guess you made it. He's going to look and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you didn't ignore what was wrong and you allowed my light to illuminate in your life the things that were not like me so that you could be more like me. I don't know about you. I don't want to be like me. I want to be like him. And I'm going to tell you when I look at him, oh, the beauty of my Savior, I, get, I fall more in love with him every day because he is perfect and holy and beautiful. But he's not so perfect and holy and beautiful that he doesn't choose to associate with me. No, he says, I'll be the friend of sinners. I had somebody with the arrogance one time to look at me and say, there is no sin in my life. <laughs> well, how about pride? <laughs> how about arrogance? Okay, there's not sins. Did you know there's such thing as an LED skin scope? 
This is used to examine the skin to diagnose skin cancers and other skin problems that cannot be seen with normal light. Once these issues are exposed, the person realizes they need to be treated. The light of the gospel exposes our sins and our imperfections and helps us to realize that we need to be treated by the saving blood of Jesus. No matter how long you've been saved, there is an ongoing work called sanctification that takes place in our lives. How does it take place? By the washing of the water of the word. When I hear the word, read the word, when I listen to, to sermons or podcasts and something just comes up in me and says, wait, that's not like Jesus. That is the word illuminated in my life something God's ready to fix or treat. The Holy Spirit will always back up the truth when it is preached with integrity and lived out with integrity. A life that reflects the light of Jesus exposes the things that are in, dark, in a dark world. Sometimes we look at this as a bad thing, thinking that people will hate us for it. However, how, how, how relieved you are when you find out that there are things in your life that are not like God is the same relief you find when there's something wrong in your body that has been illuminated by light. I want you to understand something this morning. If we are going to be who God wants us to be, if we are going to see his spirit poured out, if we're going to see true revival move, I got news for you. Revival doesn't happen because I package it, sell it, and stamp it on a sign or a postcard or a Facebook post. Revival only comes from the spirit of the Lord, and revival comes when the hearts of people are broken before the Lord and say, God, whatever it takes to see a move of your spirit, I I'm willing for it to happen. I want it to happen. Lord, I need to see revival in my school. I need to see revival in my family. I've seen many kids that have been the only ones going to church because mom and dad would drop them at the door and they would pray for their mom and their dad and then their mom and dad find Jesus. I got news for you. It wasn't through the sermon of a preacher. It wasn't through an evangelistic message, but it was through a child that said, let me be salt and let me be light in my family. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying revival can take place if you and I are willing to put ourselves to the light. Amen. Light helps you to follow the right path. Number three, John 8, 12 says, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have light, uh, the light of life. Now, I want to just share this with you. Anybody ever got up in the middle of the night? And thought you knew where everything was so you didn't need to turn on a light to go to the restroom or go get a drink of water. And you successfully navigated through the darkness and navigated back because you knew where everything was but let somebody leave something out of place. When my kids were li little, they would leave sometimes Legos. Uh, you've been there, praise the Lord. It's a blessing, isn't it? Like a prison shank through your foot. They're paying you back. <laughs> but we avoid turning on the light because we don't want that uncomfortable moment where we're yanked out of the darkness into the light. One of our ushers helped these folks out. There's plenty of room, plenty of room. But we want the light to shine. Amen. We want the light and the glory of God to shine. And sometimes that means an uncomfortable moment as our path is rightfully illuminated. 
Now I got the bright idea. I bought these little uh, li- uh, 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 sensitive, they have light sensors in them, uh, night lights that when you walk by them, they come on. The only problem is the dog likes to walk by them and run the battery dead. <laughs> the reason she likes to do that, she's going blind. I'm convinced of that because she runs into too much stuff. Either that or she needs help. But there's something about light that helps us through dark moments. It's easy to lose our way walking in darkness. Have you ever been out in the woods late at night? Anybody? Any camp, camp, camping type people here? Ever been out in the woods late at night? All right. When we were at Beautiful U and they were, we were getting ready to leave, they'd been setting up. I told them, I said, look out for people in ski masks. It's difficult to navigate when things are dark. But how assuring to have a light with you. Amen? Mm. Number four, why do we need that light? Because light brings hope and security. Light brings hope and security. The world can be a dark place. Certainly death and, uh, death and eternity are scary things to think about for most people. The difficulties of life can also be frightening. The gospel brings us to, the, to Jesus, the light of the world. In him there is no darkness, the word declares. Eternal life brings us confidence for living in a world and removes the for living in this world and removes the fear of dying and leaving this world. With light, we have hope and security. I want you to understand this morning, this world, we have a message they're dying to hear. But the problem is, if we don't turn the light on, they don't see it. Being useless in a dark world and a thirsty world. In summary of what I've talked about the last two two sermons is that God has a purpose for you in this world. I want you to look at somebody beside you this morning and say, God's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you in this world. He desires for you to be fruitful, productive, and not useless. How can, how can a, be, a believer be useless? They can be uh, unsalty believers. They can, be, uh, they can lose their flavor in this world. They can just be satisfied with, with, with a little bit. Matthew 5, 13, and the, the latter part of it says, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. Salt is pure, N-A-C-L, as the uh, periodic table declares that it cannot be weakened or strengthened. Do you hear me? Salt is salt. What Jesus is talking about here is the purity of salt. Natural salt can be mined or gathered at the seashore as, as salt water evaporates. Salt in Palestine was found impure in the Dead Sea, but it can be pure in our lives if we come to the pureness of the scripture and we don't water it down to suit us. We don't taint the word to make it more palatable for this world. You know, the world may taste of it and say it's a little bit too salty, but God would say that salt is cleansing, that salt is purifying, that salt is curing, that salt is doing what it was intended to do and that is set alive that which was dead. Do you realize you want your, how many of you grow tomatoes? You want your tomatoes to lose some brown rot? Do you know if you add a 
little Epsom salt to it. It'll, it'll take care of the brown rot on the bottom of your tomatoes. You may not have known that. That came through my daddy years ago when I began to try to grow some tomatoes. What are you saying? We need to grow up fruitful and alive. We want to see our children and our families grow up fruitful and alive. Church, we need revival in Chattooga County. We need a move of God and saltless churches have to go. We need to be a church that is alive, full of salt, full of light, showing Jesus to a lost and dying world. Listen, God is calling you this morning. God is speaking to you this morning. Don't bring your wheelbarrow and your shovel to this church and say, that's for this one. It's for you. It's for me. If you say, boy, you're being hard on us, I'm going to tell you something. It goes through me before it ever gets to you. And God is dealing with my life, and he's saying, Phil, you have to bring flavor to the world around you like never before because time is running out. We've been playing games, church. You've heard it preached. I've heard it preached all my life. Jesus is coming. You better be ready. He can come. I'm telling you, we are closer to the coming of the Lord than ever before. You better wake up and see the signs of the times. You better look and see what's going on in the Middle East and realize there's a wake-up call. Do you realize the president of China is visiting with the president of Russia? There's alliances being formed. They are biblical, prophetic words that are being performed. And, and, and brought to pass right in our generation. You say, what are you talking about? You're going to scare me. I want to scare you. But more importantly, if you're saved, you don't have anything to fear because we're going to heaven when this is all over with. But how many are not going to heaven? How many are perishing? How many are dying? Because the church will not be the church. My friend, this is church to be salt and light. Not my words, Jesus' words. Mm. We set stone face through altar services. We stand stone face through church services. We think, oh, if somebody sings the right song or if somebody does the right thing, then I'll get my church on. I got news for you. You ain't got time to get your church on. There's a lost and dying world. Don't ever take it off. Keep Jesus in you 24-7. Keep Jesus when you're walking through Walmart. Keep Jesus when you're walking through Chattooga High School or Chattooga Middle School or, or, or Leroy Massey. Keep Jesus when you're through trying elementary or trying middle school or trying high school. You ain't got time to lay him aside. You need him 24-7. I'm going to tell you right now, I want the power of Jesus to flow through us, move through us. How salty was the early church? I'm going to tell you how salty they were, how full of light they were. A man named Peter was walking through a place and his shadow fell on a guy who, uh, who was, who was uh, afflicted and he was healed on the spot. Why did Peter's shadow cause healing? It wasn't Peter's shadow. It was the shadow of the Almighty illuminating through him. It was the light of Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm looking for God to get a hold of some folks where we are seeing the book of Acts performed out daily. Daily, where we're going, hey, pastor, guess what happened to me today? I was going through the nursing home. There was a person in a wheelchair. I was going to see grandma. I walked by them, and they got up and said, I don't know what's happened, but something's happened. I can walk again. What are you saying, pastor? I still believe in the healing power of Jesus. Yeah. 
And I'm just going to say this. If you don't believe in miracles, you're in the wrong church. You in the wrong, you done stumbled up in the wrong place. Because I still believe in the miracles of the Lord. I got a call this week from my cousin and my aunt. Had a scan and she is terminal. They, they're not even forming a treatment plan to my knowledge except to keep her comfortable. And they said, well, we believe it may have spread through the intestines. It's in her pancreas, it's in her liver, it's everywhere. And, and so she was unable to use the restroom. She was unable to eat because they wouldn't let her eat till she did. They were thinking, well, maybe the mass is in the intestines too. So they went in to do a biopsy. I'm going to tell you something, and it wasn't, the, it wasn't in the intestines. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, he texts me the next morning. He says, keep praying because she's able to go to the restroom. That's right. Keep praying because she's been able to eat. Now, I'm going to tell you, they're still saying the cancer is everywhere else, but I'm going to tell you now, if God can remove a blockage in an intestine, he can do the rest of it because he has the final say. Oh, my goodness. That's the kind of Jesus I serve. I have been healed by the power of the Lord. I've been touched. She says, I just don't know about that, Pastor. Maybe that's not for our time. Maybe that's not for our day. If you are saved, raise your hand. If you are saved, if you're not saved, I'm, no judgment on that because you can take care of that with one trip. <laughs> you don't know what I've done, don't care. I just got out of jail, don't care. I had to take 20 Tylenol just to get my hangover cured from last night, don't care. The blood of Jesus can save you today. Oh my goodness. You, I, I feel this is for somebody sitting at home. Nursing your hangover, God can save you right there on your couch. Mm. Mm. What are you saying, Pastor? If you are saved, you have witnessed the greatest miracle that will ever take place. And that's the redemption of a soul. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Are you ready for this? Some of you have been here a while know what I'm going to say. Every other miracle has an expiration date. My brother, he's, I guess, on his way home from Israel. He's been in Israel, and uh, he's getting ready to leave for Israel. And uh, I joked with him, and I said, well, I said, if you bump into old, any of the old prophets, tell them, I said, hey, well, they ain't there. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he ain't stumbling around somewhere going, man, I wish I could die. Because I've seen the other side, and it's much better than this place. No. Lazarus not still alive. That miracle had an expiration date. The blind people that were healed, guess what? They still died. All those who ate on the hillside when Jesus blessed the bread and the fish, they died. Every miracle, the lepers cleansed, still tasted of death. God heals your body this morning. One day, if you don't go by rapture, you go by grave. Because these bodies have an expiration date on them. But our souls do not. And our souls will spend eternity somewhere. And this may be outdated and old-fashioned to some, but it's the gospel. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And if heaven is real, then hell is real. That's 
and you cannot preach about one, and I'm going to tell you, I think we've been stuck on one, and we haven't preached the other enough anymore. Right. Hell's a real place. That's right. God's ready to do a work in your life, but some of us have to quit playing games with ourselves. I will never say you play games with God because to play a game with God means he plays back and he don't play games. That's right. He's not playing games with anybody in this room. Will you stand? Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I think this verse needs to stick in with some people today. Didn't say they see your good works and glorify you. There's a lot of people trying to take God's glory. A lot of people won't take credit for what God does. If I've ever prayed for you and you were healed, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. If you've ever prayed for somebody and they got healed or saved or restored, it wasn't you. It was Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you really study light, you'll find out that that light ain't our light anyway. When he's talking about no man lights a, a candle and puts it under a, a bowl, he's saying, if I light your life, your life is to be put on a lampstick, not so that you receive glory, so that I receive glory. Yeah. Let me ask you something this morning. How many of you are ready for God to start receiving the praise he's due? Yes. You know where it begins? In us. In you. In me. When we are truly witnesses of the Lord, it affects how we dress, not just in church. It affects our language, our prayers, how we use our money, what we listen to, music, what we watch, how we use our time, it affects our worship, and it affects how we serve God. When we are truly salt and light, it affects every area of our life. Light does not exist to call attention to itself, but to draw attention to the thing it illuminates. Our witness and our good deeds should do nothing but magnify the one who has saved us. Our testimony is not about how great we are, but how great God is. Amen. Amen. Why is God great? Because he's rescued us. He has saved us from, sure from destruction. This morning, I'm just going to give an old-fashioned altar call, but I'm going to do it a little bit different. No heads bowed. No eyes closed. This little undercover thing, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Jesus went all the way to Calvary for you. We can't walk 10 steps for him. Well, what will people think? Again, who cares? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something wonderful about the old rugged cross. It's the great leveling place. We all come on equal ground at the cross. Doesn't matter where we were born. Doesn't matter how much money you got. Doesn't matter who you are. At the cross, 
we're all in need of the same thing, and that is the saving, redeeming power of Jesus. And this morning in a room this size, I would dare say that there's at least one that needs Jesus. There's at least one that needs to make a commitment to Jesus this morning. Or at least renew their commitment. And if that is you, this altar call is for you. And I will meet you not on higher ground, but on level ground today. Because my Jesus walked through a lot of stuff to get to me. He waded out into a lot of things to save and rescue me. How about you? So there is no big I here today. There's just one great big God who loves you. And if you need him this morning, you need to give your life to him. You need to rededicate your heart to him. I feel somebody in this room is feeling a tug. You're feeling a push from the Holy Spirit saying, now's the time. Now's the time to make a commitment to him. Now's the time to move. You say, I don't want to go by myself and take somebody by the hand. Say, come on. I need your strength today to do what I need to do. This morning, God is calling to us. Some of us, we, we, we feel distant from God. We don't have to before we leave this place. Come home. Come home. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.